Doing a radio show is an amazing way to make a living. You're basically Peter Pan. And one of my favorite things is that I get to have conversations with guys that when I was just a random, lowly sports writer at the Kansas City Star, instead of a lowly sports radio talk show host now, um, people that I looked up to, whose work I really admire, you could just have on the show and talk sports with. And that absolutely applies to Dan Wetzel. I think, I hope everybody at CBS is, is not listening, I think he's the best national columnist writing about sports in the country. He does that for Yahoo Sports, and he joins us right now on the show. And he's written a bunch of books for kids that my kids love, and they don't believe that I know him, which tells you the esteem they hold me in. Hello, Mr. Wetzel. <laughs> you are never lowly, but thank you for all of that. Thank you. <laughs> it's, all, it's all true. You were a very good reporter at the Kansas City Star, Fox, and everywhere else, so don't uh, worry about d- that. Dan Wetzel, also willing to lie on national radio to the host and further to the audience. I love it. That's very kind of you as well. Uh, you're a Michigan guy. You're in Michigan. Let's let's start there. Uh, under Harbaugh, last few years, Michigan looks excellent. Is there any kind of lesson, if you're an AD or you're a fan base around the country, about patience or, or, or program building, maybe on a timeline, that is different than most people want to accept in our you-have-to-get-it-done-now society? Uh, sure. I mean, I think the thing with Harbaugh was he had a lot of credibility because he had been a very good college coach and an NFL coach, right? He built Stanford up uh, from nothing. And um, and then it obviously taken the 49ers to the Super Bowl. He also was an alum. He had a lot of goodwill. But yeah, they were they were upset after 2020 when the team really was 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 bad. But uh, there is a little more patience and understanding of what you can be. Uh, he's put this group together these last two years that are a lot more like his old Stanford teams that caused a lot of trouble, extremely physical, running the ball. Um, you know, I, I think with Harbaugh, he, find, he has his personnel and he figures out how to win. It's not just one system or anything like that. So obviously the patience has worked uh, very, very well for uh for Michigan since they tried to, since there was a, um, you know, since they wanted to fire him, uh, or there was a lot of pipe to fire him, he's there, they're 19 and two. So, uh, it's going really well. And they, you know, you gotta, you gotta win the games in college football, but it's a pretty clear path to getting to 11 and 0 and walking into Columbus. And if you're the Michigan Wolverines or you're the Ohio State Buckeyes, that's pretty much all you can ask for is get to undefeated at the end. And, and see what happens between the uh, between the two of you. Dan Wetzel here on the show. Dan, you, you wrote about this at Yahoo, and I'm, I'm curious your perspective for, for this audience. That approach that Harbaugh is taking that you just talked about, which is you know a bit of a throwback, I think that's the term that, that you actually use in the, in, in the piece, to what degree do you think it can be successful against the Ohio States? And beyond that, if you're able to beat Ohio State, teams like Alabama or Tennessee or Georgia or whoever it may be. Well, that's the tough part, right? Um but it's hard to beat Alabama and Georgia, especially in, in January. Um, they pushed Ohio State around last year, and it was, uh, it was you know, that was the thing about that game. They didn't just win. They, they, they mauled them on both lines. They ran the ball. They controlled the game. It was not a close game. And, and Ohio State made an adjustment, brought in a new defensive coordinator, and they are vowing to be just as tough as Michigan uh, this year. So you can beat Ohio State this way. When they got against Georgia, they couldn't. Now, Georgia's defense and their defensive line was just ridiculously good last year. And so maybe nobody uh, can have that kind of success against Georgia. 
you're dealing with teams uh, in Alabama, Georgia, some of these uh, LSU some years that just are really strong on the defensive line. It's hard to maul them. Um, but I think what you're trying to do is a little bit different. We, you know, they're not going to have as much, as many skilled players uh, and that skill offense as those teams in the SEC. But a lot of those defenses are built to stop uh, whatever we're calling the, the you know these these wide open offenses with a spread or an air raid kind of influence thing, and as such, you have smaller linebackers and you have some smaller guys that maybe if you have a big kind of road grading offensive line, it can work. But I, you know, Michigan has won uh, shared a national title in 1997, and it's the only title they had since like the 50s. This is not a team that ever was just cranking out national titles or thought that uh, the great Bo Schembechler never won a national title. Uh, you know, it was just beat Ohio State half the time, get to the Rose Bowl where they'd often lose. So it's a, just a totally different thing. And I think if you're Michigan and you're contending when you go to Columbus and you get into a playoff and see what happens, um, that's a very, very reasonable standard of, of excellence that you shouldn't really apologize for. You can try to out Alabama, Alabama, but I don't know if that's possible. And, uh, you know, maybe you can win a game this way, maybe not. We'll, we're going to find out at the end of the year. Dan Wetzel here on the show. I'm Bill Ryder on CBS Sports Radio. Dan, let me give you a scenario, and you tell me what you think should happen and what you think will happen. Let's say that Tennessee wins every game that remains on their schedule other than against Georgia, and Georgia wins every game on their schedule other than a championship, SEC championship game against Alabama, and Alabama just wins every game that's in front of them. And you have th- what we would have three one-loss SEC teams who've all beat each other in a four-team college football playoff world. What happens then? <laughs> the committee uh, is <laughs> committee drinks a lot that weekend, <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then ducks. Uh, all right. So first off, you'd have to have some other help. I mean, look. Uh, you know, how are there? What if TCU runs the table and is undefeated? What if UCLA runs the table? And then what if Ohio State runs the table? Right? So you have three undefeated other teams. That's where it gets really dicey, because uh, you just take one SEC team. Is it Bama? Very hard. But if that fades down to just one team, let's say it's just Ohio State or Michigan, and TCU stumbles in UCLA. Um, we were looking at it on our podcast, like they have a better case than almost everyone. Cause if you look at the non-conference games, um, the, the strength of schedule, the strength of victory, all these different things, it's really hard to keep Georgia and, and Tennessee out. Georgia beat Oregon by like 75 points in the opening week. Uh, so, you know, you sit there and say, well, yeah, you're, you're in the pac 12. We destroyed one of your best teams really hard you know it, it's it's unfathomable that you'd have three teams for one conference but under that scenario how do you say no how do you how do you figure that out um it you know alabama has a loss but it's literally in the last second play at the wildest scene you'll ever see so that scenario could very very well happen the big thing is going to be how many undefeated champions from other conferences in there i, I forgot about clemson too i'm not even forgetting clemson uh, what if Clemson's undefeated, right? How do you keep them out, or how do you? Eat? So that's what's going to be. But if if there's a bunch of stumbling going on, um, yeah, absolutely, you could see it. This is they have been clear on this. The goal of the committee is best four teams. That's it, best four teams. 
and you start looking, projecting out those resumes, and obviously we don't know how they'll win games or whatever, there's a bunch of scenarios where the best four resumes are exactly what you said. One lost Tennessee, one lost Georgia, one lost Alabama. Do they have the courage to do it? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, it would be wild, but it is Get that whiskey ready. Get yeah, that whiskey ready. Black jacket. Uh, yeah, it's – but you could see it. But again, if Clem, well, you know, Clemson and Ohio State go undefeated, they're going to get in. So now that that kind of takes becomes a moot point. But TCU, you know, and 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 UCLA, right now it's a big mess, but it'll, it'll sort itself out. Dan Wetzel here on the show. Dan, I know it's hard to project future success of coaches who don't have a job yet. But as best you can, what level of of success or, or not do you think Matt Rule will be wherever he lands next in college? Uh, you know, look, based on his, his track record, very, very good. I mean, he, he took Temple and got him to two 10-win seasons, which is, you know, monstrous success for Temple. He took over a, a, a mess in Baylor. Uh, it was right after the whole sexual assault scandal. There was NCAA violations coming down. Half the team transferred. Baylor's name was not, you know, this is not a, a, a it was a damaged brand. And they started, uh, they started like 0 and 8, and I think 2 and 10 on the year. And within two years, he's 11 and 3. So he is a very, very good track record um, in college football. And I think he has now the ability to either take the job he he mostly wants this year or wait. Uh, you know, he's getting paid like 840 grand a month from the from the uh, Panthers. He could sit back and take a TV job for a year and wait. Uh, my guess is he'd be he'd be very successful. The odds are very good, but one thing about college football is you just you just never know until that circumstance gets there. So it's never foolproof. One thing that we've chewed over Dan Wetzel in, in, in the context of Matt Rule is just assuming he wanted a job as soon as next year rolls around, right? He he wants to work. What's the better gig today? Not tradition, but like today, Nebraska or Wisconsin? Do you, do you have a strong feeling on whether or not Nebraska still is a, a big job if, if the right person wants it, would want it? I, I think Nebraska can have a lot of success still, and I think um, name, image, and likeness will help them in that. They have a tremendous fan base, boosters, and interest, and the one thing they don't have is geography. There's just not a lot of players in their area or in their state. So, But the one thing that can kind of level that playing field is is money. And if you can offer a little bit more money or a better situation, then kids will, will get on a plane and go. I would personally take Wisconsin over Nebraska simply because of that proximity talent. You know, Madison, Wisconsin's, uh, you know, an hour from parts of the Chicago suburbs, uh, maybe an hour and a half. So you, you, they've always done really well in that area. The state does better, uh, you know, closer flights to, uh, you know, Michigan and Ohio where a lot, Indiana where a lot of the Big Ten players. I, I would always go where the players are because it's just you're you're climbing less of a hill. But I, I don't doubt that Nebraska with the right guy can be can be very good. It's a tremendous place to go play football, and it's a very unique situation where you know if you're the quarterback or you're the star of that team, you are by far the biggest thing in the, in the entire state that really loves football, and there's a lot of support. So, uh, but I'd still take Nebraska, I'd still take Wisconsin over Nebraska. Deanna started the interview uh, asking about whether. You know, patience should be more instrumental in building a program. Now I'm asking whether Marcus Freeman should be fired yesterday. Not really, but but at Notre Dame, 
right? Obviously, certain standards need to be met there. It's a very rabid fan base. There's expectations. When you just look at what's going on with that program and that first-year head coach, what do you think should and what do you think will happen if, if the losing continues this year? Well, I think they'll, they'll switch coordinators and things like that. I would not fire Marcus Freeman. Look, if you're going to hire a first-time head coach who's 35 years old, you can't expect him to be Bill Belichick and, 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 and have all the experience. Like, you're hiring him to kind of grow into that job. And it, it, it's the same way if you hire somebody from – like, LSU hired Brian Kelly. Now, his, this is an excellent coach. And, and I'll get more to that. But you can't expect Brian Kelly to hit the ground in Louisiana in the Deep South and immediately recruit like he had been Ed Orgeron, right, and been the Ole Miss head coach in Miami and all that, right? So you have to give – and Brian Kelly's recruiting is pretty good, but he went national this first year. You have to give them time to develop whatever you need to develop. Um, and so you have to hope that Marcus Freeman becomes – a better coach. The thing about Notre Dame, I kept saying all last summer after Kelly left and, uh, you know, Notre Dame fans were excited because Marcus Freeman's a really likable guy and he's recruiting very, very well. And that's a big part of this. Um, And so they should continue to get players and get quarterbacks and things like that. But it's like, you're going to miss Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly wins games. This team may be no better. This Notre Dame team under Brian Kelly than, than uh, Marcus Freeman, but they're almost certainly five and one. They find a way to beat Marshall. They find a way to beat Stanford. Brian Kelly wins games, and he's going to be really successful at LSU. And look at this LSU team. They look terrible in week one. They're five and two, and they got Ole Miss coming this week. They got out. They can still do a lot of good things. Brian Kelly's won at Division Two. He won at Cincinnati. He won at Central Michigan. He won at Notre Dame. Like, he's a great coach. So, you got you you hire Marcus Freeman. You hire a thirty five year old guy who's uh, first never been a coach. You have to sit there and say, look, this may take a couple years, but look at these recruits we're getting. Look at how much we like them. All that. If you're going to knee jerk and fire a guy because he's three and three and lost a couple games they shouldn't, that that'd be ridiculous. Um, right, Dan, so, go yeah, ahead. last one go for on. you, and it's on a similar theme. And I know we're running out of time here, but I, I want your take on this. Chip Kelly, and you met, you sort of referenced this, UCLA is undefeated. They're playing really well. He's in year, is it year five or six? I mean, he's been there for a minute, and I can tell you as a guy that lives in L.A., the fan base has tried to fire him every year since he got here. When you look at what's going on in Westwood, do you think, again, story of patience and t- or time, do you think what's happening at UCLA reflects a consistent level of winning that Chip Kelly can now deliver? Um. They should be good, and, and why they weren't good sooner is, is like kind of a mystery, right? Great coach. Now he's in a place where he's got all these players around. He's running his program his way, though. It's not as recruiting-based. But, yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know if they're top five all the time or whatever they are right now, sixth or seventh in the country. But um, they can be very good, and they should be very good building up going into the, uh, into the, the, the uh, Big Ten. Uh, it would be nice if they had more fan show for the games and things like that. I'm sure they'd like that, but – uh, we'll see what they do this weekend as he goes back to, to Oregon. But, yeah, there's patience there. There's also no money to fire him. Um, but if you let a really good coach and give him some time, then, yeah, they should be able to figure this out. And Chip Kelly is one of the best college coaches we've ever seen, and it's starting to uh, get there. You thought, hey, this should be rolling in two years. It wasn't, but it's rolling now, and you got to be pretty happy about that. 
Dan Wetzel is very easy to find on Twitter because it's at Dan Wetzel, uh, the best national sports columnist in the country, does a great podcast, used to be a poker dealer, super interesting dude, as you heard here on the show. Mr. Wetzel, love having you on, buddy. I know it's a busy time. Thanks for um, Thanks for making time. Thank you, man. Anytime.